0: That
1: a shift towards veganism is essential. That a lot of people understand what the problems are, but they don't know what to do. Look and say what are the possible consequences of our actions. So I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna introduce you, Richard Schwartz. And, and <laughs> the way I'm gonna introduce you is that I am going to give a quote from somebody who wrote on your book back book cover named Lewis. Regenstein and yeah. he wrote a book called replenish the earth right and he talked about you Richard Schwartz as the world's greatest living authority on the teachings of Judaism on protecting animals and nature and he mentions how you provide nothing short of a revolution in our way of thinking and acting that is now required and I am just completely enamored with everything about you and the book. (laughs) So I just wanted to dive in with the title of your book and the appearance of the title of the main part of the title of your book, which is Vegan Revolution. And for those people that are not Jewish of the Jewish faith, and even many that are, may not realize that the V, of vegan, and the V in revolution is a letter that's called an ayin in Judaism. And I just wanted to start out by asking you what what significance does that have? Um, okay. I read the preface. That's the spoiler alert. But I want to hear it. I want to hear it from you. Okay. Okay, so I put the I in, in a little controversial, a lot of people think I shouldn't have.
0: So there are two things. One is really minor and one very major. The I in is a Hebrew letter, but it also is a word meaning I. So the first thing is since it is a Hebrew letter and all my arguments are based on Jewish values, I thought that it adds a little bit of Jewishness to the cover. But then I got to thinking more and more about it and I'm glad the eye is there because my book is intended to get people to see things in a different way. You know people eat meat and and they don't uh, see what how that meat got onto their plate, how the animals were mistreated for example. So we want to see that. Also that indicates that something that in terms of foresight people should look and say what are the possible consequences of our actions. Matter of fact, there's some teaching I found there's two Hebrew words, Nega and Oneg. They both have the same three Hebrew letters, Ayan, Nun, and Gimel. And the word uh, Nega is like a plague, a terrible thing, and Oneg is like a celebration. So they both have the same letters, but in the word, only egg, which is a celebration, the ions at the beginning, meaning there's foresight, we're looking beforehand, and, and that can lead to very good things. But when the ions at the end you do things, you don't see the consequences be very negative. Now I think is what's happening in the world that people are not seeing ahead, eating meat. Don't realize, for example, it's a major cause of the pandemics in the past. This one, the coronavirus, is some controversy may have come from animals, may have come from malaria, but previous ones like MERS and SARS, Ebola, the swine flu, bird flu, all came from the widespread mistreatment consumption of animals. So we have all that and uh, other teachings related to that. So the thing is, again, the main thing that people should start seeing things differently, not take things for granted. And, all, and if they do, they'll recognize that a shift toward veganism is essential to having a better world for future generations. And we'll discuss that more, I'm sure, with some of your future questions.
1: So I have another question for you. Thank you for that. We're doing this recording for a podcast, which is is called Journey Through Health and Wellness. I'm wondering about how you personally, uh, if, You personally have noticed changes in the way that you actually feel as a person when you were eating the Jewish soul food, you know, that I was also raised on chicken soup and matzo balls and brisket and pickled herring and certainly an egg on Passover, if not more than one, in many of the recipes. Can you talk a little bit about how you feel as a person Mm -hmm. now compared to how you felt kind of growing up and much of your adult life, actually?
0: Yeah. Well, thankfully, you know, I'm 87 now, living in Israel. And thankfully, uh, you know, I'm I'm not the same person, but thankfully, I'm going to be good health, go to the gym every morning, go to the pool, playing at ping pong tournaments here in retirement, that's where I am. So very thankful, thankful for that. What an amazing thing. (laughs) I look around and I see so many people with white hair, bald hair, I'm amazed that my hair just stayed black. I don't know if at 87, would that happen? I don't know if it's meant to the diet or or what? But mainly psychologically, I feel better because I feel I'm doing the right thing. That uh, is the diet most consistent with Jewish values, with religious values in general and uh, the diet that's most important in uh, creating a better world right now and for future generations.
1: So so what I'm hearing from you, if I heard correctly, is that the major shift that you noticed in your journey through health and wellness, it's more of, it's, it's a psychological awareness. That did you, kn- I'm just really curious and I know I'm putting you on the spot because we didn't, discussed this before and uh, I no haven't seen it in your writing. What, a, like the physical the physical nature of you, like your embodied self, do you notice any, have you noticed any difference in that?
0: Um, it's hard to tell. I'm not, uh, I remember what I was like uh, at that point, but I'm fortunate that I'm able to continue, as they say. We have a ping pong table here 24 hours a day, it's almost never, never used. But once a week I have a partner on that, on a ping pong. And um, as I say, I've been taking part in ping pong tournaments. Can't say I came at first, but I've been second, third and fourth over the years in the ping pong tournament. So again, I'm just thankful. You know, I take a walk and they say thank God for every breath, for every step, for every thought. And uh, always quote my favorite rapper. I, Abraham Joshua Heschel, he said, just to live is a blessing, just to be is holy. So I try, and it says in Hebrew uh, literature, uh, this is the day that God has made uh, joyful within it. <laughs> Not getting exactly right now, but.
1: So have you discussed the ideas of moving into the vegan lifestyle with groups of Jewish people mm-hmm. and groups of others as well? Uh, mainly, mainly Jewish groups. I happen to be, in addition to President
0: Emeritus of Jewish Veg, a president of a group called the Society of Ethical and Religious Vegetarians. So reaching out to them. And uh, mostly it's through email and my writings and all uh, discussion, but I've been on many Charles, I really appreciate this opportunity to be on your podcast. So I've been in many and very often the interviewer is not Jewish and the audience probably is not. So I have been discussing it within the Jewish community and beyond because it's a universal message. And every religion is based on compassion and justice and sharing and Love thy neighbor, etc. So, you know, even I, my emphasis is my book, Judaism and Vegetarianism, and my latest book, Beacon Revolution, says Saving Our World, Revitalizing Judaism. So it's really Jewish centered because that's what I know most about, but it is universal. And so say that. I've been involved with others, I remember way, way back when my Judaism and Vegetarianism book first came out, meeting somebody, Keith Akers, who had been writing and encouraging him to write books related to Christianity and vegetarianism. At the time, he said, you know, we can't make the case that strongly, but since then, there have been several books on also on Christianity and vegetarianism.
1: Yes, yes. So what what is your story about mm. becoming mm. vegan, and what mm. sorts of Wisdom, might you have to impart upon others, who have not yet quite stepped into the journey, but may be thinking about it? Does your story relate to that? Your early story, right? Okay, actually, it all started. I was
0: teaching mathematics at the College of Staten Island, and among the courses, one was for liberal arts and science students they were going from music, the arts. They weren't going to use math in their careers, but they needed to take one math course to to meet a degree requirement. You know, the college wanted them to have like a broad background. They were poorly motivated, poorly prepared. So after a number of semesters, I came up with the idea of teaching a course was very unique at the time, mathematics in the environment, where basic math, probability, statistics, sequences, and all. And just a very elementary math because, again, they weren't going to use it. But I wanted them to see that math can help them understand the world. And, uh, you know, we tried to apply it to what's happening. I mean, one year we were discussing world hunger. And I felt, you know, it's a shame. So many people are dying. I guess it's just not enough uh, food. But then I read this wonderful book you may be familiar with by Francis Morpé called Diet for a Small Planet. And she pointed out how wasteful animal-based diets are, that for example, 70% of grain produced in the U.S. being fed to fatten up the farmed animals, while an estimated 9 million now keep changing over the years, I saw 9 million people dying of hunger and it's effects every year. And almost 10% of the world's people being chronically hungry. What percent of the world is hungry? Over, over 10% being chronically hungry, something like 800,000 people. So that began, you know, we had many discussions with the student and mentioning, you know, it's a problem with world hunger, but if people ate less meat, there would be less of a problem. Finally, taking my own advice, became a vegetarian in about 1978, took me a while, but by about 2000, I became a vegan. because I saw that it was not only only meat, that was a problem with health and other but Uh, with uh, dairy cows, egg laying hens, et cetera, et cetera. Matter of fact, there's more cruelty in producing eggs and dairy products actually probably than meat. But we just tying that in, that 70% of the grain fed to animals is that we take very healthy foods, corn and soy and oats, high in um, uh, fiber, and complex carbohydrates, devoid of cholesterol and saturated fat. We feed it to the animals, we get a product it's just the opposite, devoid of fiber, complex carbohydrates, very high in saturated fat and cholesterol. So this is one reason that there's like an epidemic of disease in the Jewish community and in other communities as well.
1: It, it's, it's very interesting to me as I'm listening to you I'm seeing a mirror of me, and I'm seeing and I'm feeling a lot of fight. In other words, I have a background in history. I don't know if you know, but uh, I live in southwestern Pennsylvania, which is where the Reimagine, Reimagine the Turtle Creek Watershed and Airshed Communities uh, Project process has emerged from. And that grew out of actually, I co founded that group because I was, and I'll say it in past tense with a clarification a fractivist. You're, you're familiar with fracking? Are you familiar what? with fracking? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we live about 30 miles, we live just outside of Pittsburgh. We're about 30 miles from where they're building the second largest petrochemical plant in North America. As I speak, as we speak, um, from Royal Dutch Shell. And people don't understand the connection between plastics. They're going to make these things called nurdles, which are little plastic pellets that make everything plastic, like the mouse and the cell phone and the keypad and so i was a fractivist for a decade and then realized that when i fight with my you know colleagues when i try to fight the industry by spewing and you know forgive me here but i'm i'm hearing this as a mirror of you (laughs) When we talk about all the statistics, and I honor you, this is an incredible resource. By the way, you can see I've only started reading it last night, and I've got all these tabs in it because it is loaded with important information. Thank you. But I want to read a specific part from the introduction, and then I'd like for us to chat about the positive side of what has come out of what you are writing, and the awareness that I believe a lot of people have, not to the depth that you've gone into here, which is a gift to humanity, but I believe at this point that a lot of people understand what the problems are, but they don't know what to do. So you write in the introduction here, and it's under a subtitle or a heading actually that says, the making of a Jewish activist. And again, this is from Richard's book called Vegan Revolution. This uh, subtitles or maybe part of the title, we would call it, saving our world comma, revitalizing Judaism is this. You're saying that Pirkei Avot is still your favorite section of the Mishnah and its teachings and especially the following, which has guided you through life. You say, you are not required to complete the task, but neither are you free to desist from doing all you can. And that's Pirkei Avot 2.21. Be the disciples of Aaron, who of course was the brother of Moses. Love Mm -hmm. peace and pursue peace. Love all people and bring them closer to the Torah. That's 112. And this one really struck me. And this is where I've got a major tab here. Who is rich? Person who rejoices in his or her portion. Who is wise? The person who learns from every other person. What I would love to learn from you now as we move forward in this new movement, this revitalized movement, this vegan revolution, how do we move forward? Could you tell us about the example of what you are visioning and implementing this year in 2021? For those of you that are listening later, it may be 2022 or 2023 (laughs) that you're listening, but this day in August of 2021, which is coming up August 8th, what are you visioning for the new Jewish Vegan New Year, and how can we all engage and get involved in this initiative? Right.
0: Well first, thank you very much for mentioning my book. One of the things I'm doing, the issues are so important, I am offering free pdfs of the entire book and the cover to as many, many people as possible, and whoever gets it, you pass it on to others. I'm going to interrupt
1: you. I want to interrupt you for just a moment, because you are going to be speaking um, at the holiday of Sukkot at Temple David in in Monroeville, virtually. But my husband was asking me, you are such a blessing. You are giving a free PDF of your book. Is it okay to actually copy that PDF and then share it in other documents Mm -hmm. like in our temple bulletin. Absolutely, I want to get as many people as possible because the
0: world has never been threatened as much as today, you know, with climate change, the wildfire, by the way, I was wondering even being on this program because we had a small taste there, wildfire not too far from this retirement village and we lost power on and off and on and off maybe 10 times during the day and all. So that's one reason uh, you definitely share it. I want to get that message out and hope it starts many, many dialogue. But you asked about April 8th and 9th, that happens to be the Broch Hodesh with a new month of Elul, a month before Rosh Hashanah, when Jews are supposed to start examining their deeds and uh, trying to find how can we be better people and all. So in the temple days, that was a time and for sacrifices of animals. And and that day was tithing for the sacrifice. So my idea is to revise that ancient Jewish new year for animals to restore it, but also to transform it into a day devoted to increasing awareness of Jewish teachings on compassion for animals and how terribly terribly far conditions for animals are from these teachings. So uh, I've been spending a tremendous amount of time organizing what I call teachings, one in the U.S. with rabbis and activists from the U.S. and one in Israel, another program where I put together many, many pages of quotations from the Torah, from the Jewish tradition on that, and those will be read and discussed. And right here in uh, Protea Hills, my retirement village, I'll also be presenting on that. So this is part of it because they I say the world's never been so threatened. Every day in the news we read, one day it's a flood, terrible flood in Europe, and the next day it's in China, and then it's in India, and, you know, and the wildfires in California, and the drought, and wreckage.
1: So, so how, how do we partake as part of the public? How do we partake in these events that you have planned all around the world, it sounds like. Yeah. So if I was interested in being part of a teach-in, how would I go about finding the information to participate? Okay, well, best thing, again, if they contact me with me my email address,
0: and uh, you know, I've got like um, wouldn't the dozen speakers in Israel, one than a dozen in the US. I'm hoping each one has a group and get the word out that way, put it on my Facebook page. But if they contact me at ReggieRich at gmail.com, that's V E one word at gmail.com, I'll be happy to send links to the various occasions. And if they do that as well, I'll be happy to send them those PDFs I mentioned. Of my book. And in addition, by the way, I have over 250 articles online. That's that, you probably won't remember it, but, no, but if they contact me, give them more info on that, jewishreds.com, slash, and then the spelling of my last name, F-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z. So happy to get this info out to as many, many people as possible. And by the way, it just came out. I should have that handy. Let's see if I can get a copy. Wait a minute, I think it's right over here. Something, I don't know if I had told you before, really, really amazing. This is the latest issue of Jerusalem report. And wow! It wow, them. wow, wow! It's really amazing. And it's
1: actually, the Jerusalem uh, report, should Jews yeah. be vegan, Is the headline article the cover
0: then, story there's so many millions of jews eating meat there's so many rabbis and i'm a returnee to judaism you know it took me a while and but it says here richard h schwartz i think that's me argues that any animal products violates jewish teachings and it goes on for five five pages and after that there's a little rebuttal by a rabbi which is really very weak and a professor by gets involved with that. So I'd be happy to send that to people too, if they contact me, but it's really, really amazing that uh, the whole, whole issue, so I hope the way people are, and I'm waiting to see, is there any rabbi out there that is going to dispute my argument? I'm very anxious to have very respectful dialogue with rabbis, other Jewish scholars, because the case is so, so strong. How can anybody disagree? Judaism has very strong teachings on preserving our health, treating animals with compassion, protecting the environment, serving natural resources, helping hungry people, seeking and pursuing peace. And all of these are very strongly violated by animal-based diets and agriculture. Uh, It's an incredible. So um,
1: I, I know I honor you and I am so excited about this Jerusalem report and you answered the question before I even asked it, which is, you know, your, your subtitle, um, revitalizing Judaism. But I'm going to pivot for just a moment because I know you're a mathematician. And even though you've been retired for a while from that. I have a question for you and I'm gonna wind back for a moment to Southwestern Pennsylvania and to the production of plastics. Is plastic vegan? Is it okay for vegans, people that call themselves vegan to be using plastic? Or do you have any comment about the carbon footprint Of the production of plastics and the health ramifications of the production of plastic. Because Mm -hmm. I sit in the epicenter of this pollution, both inner ecosystem and outer pollution. And most vegans, in my experience, are not paying attention to that issue.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, of course, every vegan, every person should minimize the use of plastic. You often say, climate crisis, we have to do everything, everything possible, and people realize we've got to have more efficient cars, we've got to move more to renewable energies, get away from coal and oil, but some don't realize the tremendous impact that animal-based agriculture has on climate change, for example. There was one-
1: So animal, thing. animal agriculture is the big elephant in the room. And it weaves its way through every dimension of human beingness. And what I'm seeing, for those that are listening to this podcast, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing this blessed, amazing 87 year old Mm -hmm. gentleman who's wearing a t-shirt that says vegan in it's a, I think it's a blue or black t-shirt and in big white letters, it says vegan. And there's a period at the end Mm -hmm. of that word. What about the teaching? I I don't know if you can see them. Below it, compassion, nonviolence for the people, for the planet, and for the animals. And so, compassion and nonviolence are big pieces for people that work within not only Judaism, but around the world for hunger, to, to move people beyond hunger. And what you have done for us over the decades really now is made the connection for us between the importance of what you put in your mouth three times a day, or however many times a day you're eating and compassion and nonviolence. And so if you are a person who works at a food bank and you are eating meat three times a day, where is the balance there? There is dissonance. And yeah. what you epitomize to me, at least Richard, is the representation of a, an understanding of compassion that has been realized in your adult lifetime. And so you are proof that any of us can do that. And what I'm here to say to kind of simplify things and level the playing field is you don't have to be a PhD, you don't have to be a math teacher, you don't have to be a researcher. If you're an oracle, or you call yourself a learned spiritual intuitive, you can pick up this book called Vegan Revolution, you can open it to any page, and I'm just doing that. (laughs) and you can learn something. So I just did that. You saw me, I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) I opened page 67, and I'm just going to read randomly with your permission here. Of course. When When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not fully reap the corner of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you collect the fallen individual grapes of your vineyard, you shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord, your God. And that is Leviticus chapter 19, verses nine and 10. And what do you know? Where do we go from this? We recognize that we must leave the grains for the for what the grains were meant for not to feed and fatten up domestic animals for people to eat, but people can eat the grains and they can leave then the field fallow and there will be enough for everybody to eat. Do you have a statistic in your book or in your head of how many years, if we, if we all turned vegan tomorrow, how long would it take Mother Earth, Father Sky, to repair itself? We've started this experiment over the past 18 months or so. I don't know if you agree with that, but in my understanding, we've powered down to some degree and people are waking up in ways they haven't necessarily before. But if we were all, maybe this is a calculation for you to work on for the next couple of weeks if we were to all turn vegan tomorrow and that's not just in what we eat but it's in what we purchase my you know i'm wearing a woven jacket right now that i got at a local pittsburgh festival you know in Mellon park people who are local know this but this was a woven cotton piece of clothing and in my mind i'm thinking next time if I buy any clothing ever again in my life, I should really buy something made of hemp because cotton is such a chemically intensive crop. I know that's not your focus, but it's something that passes through the mind of environmentalists. But how long will it take? How long will it take when we all turn vegan tomorrow and then we back into the understanding, we're not sure it's happening tomorrow, Dr. Selesh Rao would would say it's happening by 2026. If it happens (laughs) by 2026, how long until we have the Eden, the more beautiful world that we all know in our hearts is possible? Okay, I can't
0: tell you exactly, but I can tell you that every single day will be an improvement and all that, and it'll be such a difference from the negative, you know, we we'll return it from the negative now, that uh, carbon is being increased every day, in, in every year, and we have to move back away from that carbon dioxide, so as they say it, it's essential, essential, by the way, there's a group the most important group with regard to climate change is called the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The reason they say it's most important, is made up of climate experts from all over the world. So it's like a consensus document. October 2018, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, they claim that unless what they call unprecedented change occurred by 2030, it may be too late to avert to climate catastrophe. You know, there's it's not a linear thing, you know, like an analogy. Somebody's gaining weight, they can say if I hit this weight, I go on a tremendous diet. Here we could hit, it's like a domino effect in a way, you could hit a tipping point, which is what they call self-reinforcing positive feedback loops, where every time, just to give an example, mention tremendous wildfires in California. That is like a triple quadruple, maybe quintuple negative. We're losing the trees being burnt down. They were a sink for the carbon. Burning, they're giving off the carbon dioxide. Some of that carbon, some of the uh, smoke, by the way, some of that smoke is it's so severe, its ending up California
1: on the east coast of the US. And- Yeah, we uh, and definitely saw it on the east coast yeah, of the US. So, I use that as an example to help people understand that we all share the same air. We all share the same atmosphere. Let me ask you, does the IPPC mention the imperative to move into vegan? Mm, Yet? The operative word is yet. Yet. I'm talking to the world expert who needs to talk to the IPPC, perhaps. Do do they mention these words that it is an imperative for the world population to move into veganism? Yet, do they mention it yet? And if not, why not, do you think? I don't think
0: it's in their actual report, but more and more leaders of these groups are saying we've got to reduce the amount of meat in the diet, so that is happening more and more, and people are realizing it and uh
1: i I, I und- yeah, I understand <laughs> that you that you're planning to build a major campaign to promote veganism in conjunction with your book. Can you expand on that a little bit more? I know we're coming towards mm-hmm. the end of the interview, but I would just love you to end, help us end on a positive mm-hmm. note. Okay. Well, as I said, number one, by giving away this book,
0: I hope that will help and people get it, to pass it on. And it, no, it's not the end all and be all, but I hope it starts many responsible dialogues. Then I have the, uh, as I started to mention, Restoring the New Year for Animals, you know, Judaism has very powerful teachings on compassion for animals as other religions do as well. So we're doing all kinds of things. I'd say the various teachings and I send letters to the editor out like every single week through some post, et cetera, and uh, articles and I'm just spreading the word in many, many ways as possible. As I indicated, 250 articles on on the website now on Facebook, I constantly put uh, things that are happening there. What is your Facebook page? Uh, you know, okay, I'm not sure, but if somebody's on Facebook, if they just do a search, maybe for Richard Schwartz, say, vegetarian, they can probably find it. So I'm Okay, I'm just
1: looking, I'm just looking for that. Well, we'll, we'll have to let the uh, yeah. listeners find mm-hmm. that. Is there, mm-hmm. is there a way, I'm very interested, you've piqued my interest, in having a teach-in locally here on the 8th? So if I contact you directly, we can set that up? Or do we just do it ourselves?
0: Well, to tell you the truth, the amount of time and effort I'm putting in these teach-ins, so I hope, you know, these will be We should join your
1: teach-in. We could join Mm -hmm. one of your teach-ins rather than creating-
0: Contact me at veggierich at gmail.com. Happy to provide that. Or if you go, to their Facebook page, you'll see many things on that. Now, another thing, there's a very good uh, group. Well, it's got 18 part of the Green Zionist Alliance and they have something called Jewcology. And I've been posting all kinds of things. It's like a blurb kind of thing. And if you go to that, if you get onto that, Jewcology.com, I have posted all kinds of things about the teaching there and that would have the links
1: Okay. So it's interesting to me because I have been a little bit involved in the past year for the first time ever in marketing. And I know a little bit of something about Facebook and I'm going to Facebook. I put in Richard Schwartz and there's all these Richard Schwartzes and I don't know which is which. Um, And so I'm, I'm just becoming aware that after we go off of this, you know, interview, we're going to have a little chat about how to help us to Make the message more reachable to the population at large. I could go on and on with you. Mm-hmm. Richard Schwartz, thank you so much for taking the time thank to you, speak. Thank you. And I look forward to future interaction. And do you want to do you want to conclude? Do you want to gather the, the audience with any final words? Okay, well, bottom line, two bottom lines. Number one. The world is heading toward a
0: climate catastrophe. And if you don't believe it, just watch the news the next week and you'll probably see who knows how many things about wildfires now in Turkey and there. And we're having a tremendous heat wave by the way, it's 95 today in Jerusalem, 97 for decade. maybe over 100 in many Israeli cities. Et cetera. So that's number one. Second, bottom line thing is that everything possible has to be done. To a better climate catastrophe, so we'll leave a decent world for children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, future generations. And uh, among the things that are essential is a major shift to vegan diet. The third thing is, and many people commendably are very involved in the religion, but the bottom line is, as I mentioned before. It really, veganism is most consistent diet, most consistent with Jewish values in terms of compassion for animals, preserving our health, uh, protecting the environment, serving natural resources, helping the hungry, et cetera, et cetera. So it's the diet best for your health, best for the health of the planet. So go vegan. Please contact me for more information. And also if anybody would like to volunteer to help, There's so much that needs to be done. I'm always overwhelmed just trying to do all the things I want to do. And many thanks to you for this opportunity and uh, uh, kudos to
1: you for all you're doing and best wishes for much continued success. Thank you so much. You have another volunteer here. I am raising (laughs) my hand and I want to encourage all the listeners with the understanding that meditation is considered a very high form of prayer, not only in Judaism, but in all spiritual traditions around the world. And as we take time in our day to meditate in whatever way you prefer, we are shifting the collective consciousness and moving more deeply within. And as we do that, we change the world. So thank you all for being here on anchor.fm, on Spotify, on Instagram, with the handle at reimaginedtickwack. The acronym is T-C-W-A-C, which stands for the Turtle Creek Watershed and Airshed Communities Plus. We all share the same air, as Richard so eloquently stated, we all share the same water. Let's keep it clean and keep it bright. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, no matter where you are in the world.